Turn your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Acts, chapter 2. And I'll begin reading verses 14 through 21. It's also on your bulletin, too. I also will be later reading verses, uh, Jude, verses 17 through 23. But we'll come to that a little bit later. In the meantime, Acts, chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. Hear ye then the word of the Lord. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever and ever. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for thy holy word. We pray, grant us understanding, grant us illumination by your Holy Spirit, that we might hear and walk in accordance with your word and your will. Father, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, having uh, that was uh, Peter's uh, part of his sermon on the day of Pentecost, okay, and uh, uh, we just looked at some of that and read that, uh, but we reflect this morning upon this particular passage, and we'll do so in context uh, to answer the question presented as a title of the morning's message, Are We Living in the Last Days? Truly, of course, the events of Pentecost and Acts, they were amazing, they were fantastic, they're outstanding, and they're supernatural in power and in scope. However, we will also look at other texts as we go along, as I mentioned Jude as well. One of the questions I do get fairly often is this, Pastor, do you believe we're living in the last days? Or they may ask, are you, do you think we're living in the last times or end times? As well as, do you think that we are close to that great day of the Lord. Well, I do hope to give you a clear answer this morning for you, an obscure answer. I'll try to make it clear and blunt as possible uh, as we go along here in the Word of God, because if it's not centered, focused, and directed toward and from the Word of God, then there's really nothing for us to hear, because we come here to hear the Word of God and not something else. For this is the First sermon preached by the apostles after Christ has ascended back to the Father. Okay, the first sermon after his resurrection and ascension to the right hand of the Father. So first of all, let us look at why. Why did Peter preach the sermon? It's a little bit of a different kind of uh, format, if you will, the way we're going through this particular passage. Now, in verses 14 and 15, Peter here is giving an explanation of what has just happened, what has just occurred. And so what is it that happened? Well, we had the official day of Pentecost that has arrived, the official day of Pentecost, and the disciples, they were all together in one place. 
I'm kind of summarizing a little bit for you. And in verse 2, suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Well, what happened next? We have the appearance of divided tongues of fire. Okay, remember the flames? And you see individual flames going up. Those are considered tongues, right? And that kind of idea. We have divided flames or tongues of fire, and they rested upon each one of those who are there. And being filled with the promised Holy Spirit, we see they began to speak in other tongues, other languages, absolutely other languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, it's notable, very notable miracle that's taken place. In fact, all the people around who heard this are being very fascinated by what has occurred. So a notable miracle has taken place, but even more so when since Jerusalem was filled with people all over. The Jews were there. The God-fearers were there. Those who came from every nation of the known world were there to celebrate at Pentecost. Get people there from all around the, the, you know, the, the known world of the time. Well, all these people coming from where they were coming, the, each of them, they heard the mighty sound that had taken place, and they heard the disciples speaking in their own languages. However, not just Hebrew, not just Aramaic, not just Greek. Okay, those would be all fairly common at the time, but all of the languages from their own nations where they came from, they heard them all speaking uh, their own particular language. Okay, that was a, a marvelous and very surprising thing for them to hear and to witness. And so they're all doubly amazed since the apostles and disciples were Galilean. Remember the Galileans? They had like a super accent. And yet they are speaking these languages perfectly. Okay, a very strong accent that they would have. And almost... Uh, almost be impossible for them having that kind of an accent to hide their accents. All right, um, well, I won't go into that, but, but they said this, that we hear them speaking in our own native languages. How can that be? Because they can't know all these languages. How can they possibly know all these? And we're told there are Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia. You'll have to get your Bible dictionary out for that. Uh, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, and Rome. All were included Jews and proselytes, Cretans. Remember Cretans, liars, right? Cretans were there, Arabians. Uh, basically, the whole known world had some kind of representative there on that particular day, hearing the disciples of Christ extolling the mighty works of God, and they hear that in their own native tongues, their own native languages, and they're speaking with perfect pronunciation. How can this possibly be? We've heard Galileans. How could they possibly do that? So it is a miracle, and they all know that. They see, they heard what has taken place, but why? What can this mean? Why would we all hear them speaking in these languages that we all personally know? Why would this, you know, what would it possibly mean? Of course, uh, the naysayers were there as well. The naysayers were always among them. And they said, uh, these men are all filled with new wine. Essentially, they're accusing of being drunk on new wine. By the way, that means, yes, new wine was alcoholic. Okay? New wine was alcoholic, and those who overindulged with new wine could get drunk. Only if I lie to you, that's not 
a case that they try to say that was just grape juice. That was not true. Well, that nonsense wasn't going to go unnoticed. Peter immediately gets up and addresses them and stood with the eleven. And I imagine waving his hands to try to hush the crowds, basically to hear a little bit better what he's going to say. He says, I repeat again, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, all of you here this day, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. In other words, it was too early for the typical person, much less a typical uh, Jew or Gentile or anyone, to be drinking. Okay, it's 9 a.m., too early in the morning. Nobody's going to be drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning, much less speaking a boatload of different languages. Okay, it's not going to happen. So nobody actually questions that because that was commonly understood. And so he hushes them up and he takes them and us to the writings here of the prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2, 28 through 32. But here, notice in verses 17 and 18, and I read this. And the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit in all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male and female servants in those days, I'll pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And so Peter is pointing to, directly to, this prophecy of Joel, and he says that this is a result, okay, of the Holy Spirit being poured out upon the people, these disciples. You hear this because this is what has taken place in Joel chapter 2, this day, within your hearing, within your sight, this is being fulfilled right now in their eyes, okay, and in their ears. And so he includes, of course, wonders and signs and blood and fire and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so he's pointing them all to the writing, the prophecy of Joel in 2, 28-32, saying it has been fulfilled this very day in your hearing. And you should praise God for it. So the promised coming day of the Lord, the advent of our Lord Jesus Christ, had been fulfilled, that first coming God sent his only begotten son. That's first coming here. All this indicating in verse 17. Said this has taken place. To let you know the last days have arrived. The last days. This was promised. This was prophesied. This was fulfilled in your hearing. Behold the last days have arrived. And they are upon us. And now to the question at the beginning. Do I personally believe that we are living in the last days? Huh, what would I say? That, yes, absolutely I do believe that we are living in the last days. All right, absolutely I do. We have been in the last days officially as pointed out by Peter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God since the day of Pentecost. Since then, we have been in the last days. That was when the, if you will call it the clock, Begins ticking, if you will, all right? So we are and have been in the last days since then, when this prophecy was fulfilled, and he said, here, the last days have started. And then, and so still today, verse 21, everyone 
who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved because of what Christ has done. We are in the last days. Those who call upon him even today shall be saved. Those who have faith in him. What is the name above all names? The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus our Lord at which every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Absolutely true. Second then, what did that mean What did that mean to those who heard this first sermon on this day of Pentecost? Did it mean salvation? Yes, to those who believe. Yes, to those who believe. And also more, in verses 22 to 36, Jesus was attested to all those in Israel by God with mighty works and wonders and signs And Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. And they crucified him. Essentially, he would say to them, and you crucified them and killed them. And he was killed by lawless men. But, here this is 22 through 36. But God raised him up from the dead because death cannot and could not hold him down. Life. From the dead. And Peter refers to David. He refers to David who died and was buried, and his body was still in the grave. But as a prophet, God told him that he would place one of his very own descendants upon the throne. David foresaw and David spoke about the resurrection of Christ. He spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah. Here, the Lord Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, the son of Adam, the son of God. And David, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, spoke of this time and this day when Jesus Christ would rise from the dead. So this Jesus, God has raised up and he says, we are all witnesses of it. And Christ has been exalted to the right hand of God, receiving the promise of the Holy Spirit poured out as you yourselves are seeing and hearing. David did not ascend into heaven. Who did? Jesus did. David's body is still in the grave. Whose is not? The body of Christ was raised and he sits at the right hand of God the Father on high. Jesus ascended to the right hand of God on high because he is God and man. This means, this means that by his resurrection and ascension, God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified, he says to them all. And their response The response, actually, are they angered? No, they're not angered. The Bible says they are cut to the quick. And they say, then what what shall we do? If we have done this, and we are guilty of this, what, what should we do? What hope can there be for us? What shall we do? And so Peter says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the promised Holy Spirit of God. Over 3,000 souls were saved on that day. 3,000 souls as a result of all that. Praise God. It's amazing the miracles that God does. And so we all understand that the last days began at Pentecost, Acts chapter 2 here in our text. That is when the countdown began. The last days are upon us, and they still are. Peter said we are in the last days. 
The days of messianic fulfillment. Messiah has come just as promised, just as prophesied. He has come, and when Christ the Messiah finally came as prophesied by Joel, there is forgiveness and life. And since, thirdly, since we are in the last days, are we then closer to his return, the second advent? Are we closer? Okay. Some would say, well, all right. Uh, I know you say we're in the last days, but I wanna, are we really near the end of the last days? Are we like toward the end, uh, somewhere around there, right? So um, are we close to his return? In his first coming, his first coming, Jesus came to do what? He came to save his people, his sheep, uh, from their sins. He came to save his people. In his second coming, he comes to judge the world. Now, are we closer to that great and terrible day of the Lord when Jesus comes to resurrect all the dead and separate the sheep from the goats? Yes, we are far more closer to that day than they were then. Far more closer to that great and terrible day. Okay? While Jehovah Witnesses and other cults and sects have traditionally been date setters all throughout their own history of the cults, uh, they have always tried to set a date for the return of Christ. And they failed over and over and over again to the point where they finally said, maybe we should stop doing this. Yeah, it looks to look really bad because they keep on setting dates. And so those who try to figure out with their mathematical calculations, trying to figure out when Jesus is going to return. What did the Lord say? No man knows a day nor the hour. No one knows the day nor the hour. So what do we do? We keep busy in the Lord's work. We long for that day, but we keep busy in the work, living faithfully by faith in Christ, you know, in our lives, in dependence on the Holy Spirit of God. We are faithful in sharing the gospel, declaring Christ to the world around us because they don't know. Yes, he, we are far near to that day when he comes. And on that day... He comes with great judgment, okay? We must be busy reaching the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must be seeking to save sinners by pointing them to Christ. Pointing and declaring Christ to the lost world around us. Jesus warned that he is going to come again. And all judgment, he said, has been given unto him. All judgment. Every single one, thoughts, words, and deeds, all judgment has been given to the Son, and all will stand before Christ, and they've all given account for every deed that's ever been done. You give an account for your thoughts? Yeah, your thought life too. Maybe you need to replant some of those thoughts. You give an account for your thoughts? You give an account for every word, every careless word, every vile word, every thoughtless word, every careless word. Give an account for every word we've ever spoken. May we need to confess that before the Lord. Paul said, we will all stand, including himself, we will all stand at the bar of Christ to give an account. We will do so. Yes, a Christian will not be condemned for their sins, but we give an account. But we're still saved. We'll be welcomed in the glory. Okay, we'll all stand at the bar of Christ. Romans 14, verses 10 through 12. And so the question uh, really being asked is this, is not are we living in the last days, because we are, we know that, that is a truth, that is a fact, but the question is really this, 
Are we nearer to the day of Christ's return to judge the world? And the answer is yes. Very near, even at the gates. Very near, when the moment will the clouds will be, the sky will be rolled back like a scroll, and the, the clouds, Christ will return, and the clouds of heaven, you know, and, and the dead, and Christ shall rise, and then the, the ungodly will be resurrected as well. But yes, that day is far nearer than any other time in history. How near? Well, only God knows. Only God knows. I can't whip out a mathematical formula for you, nobody can. We are nearer nonetheless. 2 Timothy 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3 says this, In the last days. Are we in the last days? Yes, we are. All right, we are. We clarified that. Uh, Are we near the end of those last days? I think we are too. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Yes. People will be lovers of self. Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive. We've got a laundry list here for you in case you missed one. Disobedient to parents. That's included in there. Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, no self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying his power. Does that sound like today? Absolutely it does. Part and parcel, turn on the news. But you better don't eat anything prior because you don't want to get sick when you see all the news taking place. But it does sound a lot like today. In Jude, verse 17 through 19, we read there, You must remember the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said this. They said, in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly pleasures. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit, devoid of the Spirit of God. These are not believers. These are not Christians. These are the ungodly with their ungodly passions. And they flood the earth, and it's all about the world, all around the world. Are we then nearer to the last days? Yes. What do we do? Do we panic? Do we try to go up on a rooftop? No. Jude chapter, uh, verses 20 through 23, here we have the answer to that. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. These things, we should be busy doing these kinds of things. Showing mercy and kindness and love for our brothers and sisters and reaching out to the lost, trying to snatch them from the very flames, if you will. Reaching out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Near the last day, yeah, you know it and I know it. What are we to be doing? We're to be busy for Christ in this life that we have. Whether we have another day or we have 20 or 30 years, we are to live busy for Christ. Seeking to reach the lost for him. Because remember, even these sheep, even the elect, however you want to phrase them, even they must hear the gospel and they must repent and they must believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of their souls. They must hear the gospel and it may come from you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for thy word, Lord. 
And Father, we do thank you that we have confidence, we have hope on that day when Jesus comes. And Father, we know that all of our sins have been washed away and cleansed from every stench of it, Lord, by the blood of Christ. And Father, so we long for that day when we are putting upon ourselves, Lord, that you give unto us glorified, resurrected bodies. Glorified, Lord, because we know that in sin we can't stand before you, Lord. Not even the sinful flesh, but we must have glorified bodies to even behold your face. Well, Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercies that have been given unto us by your Spirit through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. But Father, we know that so many who are still dead in sin's trespasses, Lord, so many that are out there, so many who still need to hear of Christ, they need to hear the gospel, Lord. Oh, Lord, put a uh, vision of hell in our hearts that we might reach out to the lost with the gospel. Lord, we would desire to see their souls saved, Lord, on that great and terrible day at the same time, on the day when Jesus comes to judge the world. Lord, we might see another and another that will stand alongside us. Oh, Lord, as we go into the very kingdom of heaven. Father, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let's all